2: Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Today.
1: The Grizzlies pulled out a nail-biting
3: win over the Lakers. The Cavaliers have had a sneaky good start to the NBA season. Plus, is the SEC the best conference in college basketball? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the stories you need to know and the biggest debates in sports. You're Locked On Today.
1: Searching all major sports. Let's
2: start with the biggest story.
3: It's two straight monster wins for the Memphis Grizzlies. John Morant puts up 41 in a 104-99 win over the LA Lakers after Memphis took care of business against the Phoenix Suns. Joining me now from Locked On Grizzlies, it is Sean Coleman. And Sean, this Memphis team, they sit now in the upper half of the Western Conference in terms of playoff seating. I know it is extremely early, but when you look at the talent, when you look at the other teams in the conference, they clearly stand above the rest of the league. How seriously should we be taking Memphis as a Western Conference contender?
0: Um, It's funny that, you know, contender is a fun word. I I don't know if I would go that far as of yet. I think that there are two tiers at the top of the Western Conference – You've got the Warriors and you've got the Suns. You've got the Utah Jazz on their own tier. But I do think Memphis is right there. But the thing that stands out to me, Peter, besides the fact that the defense has basically its day and night difference from where it was a month ago, that's a big key difference with Dylan Brooks being there. But the other thing is, when you think about the four teams in the West, you've got Booker and Paul leading the Suns, Steph leading the Warriors, Conley and Mitchell leading Utah. You've got the combination of John Morant, Desmond Bain, leading the Grizzlies, a very good backcourt that unexpectedly is a top 10 backcourt in the league. They're right there. The same reason why those top three teams in the West are doing well, the Grizzlies are as well. Maybe not to the same level, but the Grizzlies are certainly, they may not be a contender. They're that team. Nobody wants to play though for the rest of the season and especially in the playoffs. They are a legit playoff participant and they will be a nightmare for anybody coming up.
3: Here's the thing that I'm really interested, Sean. So this is a team in Memphis that... You know, the, the the core pieces, they didn't really change year to year. So what has been different about this team this season? Because it is a young team and we, we expect them to make some strides, but we also know that progress is not always linear. So what has been different about this team in 2021 versus, say, last year?
0: The difference between this team now and last year was that last year you had career years from players in their prime that were basically role players, Jonas Valanciunas, Kyle Anderson, Grayson Allen, and an outstanding effort to them. And Jonas and Grayson have done well in other places, as you know, seeing Grayson with Milwaukee. But the thing that stood out about these young players for the Grizzlies, Peter, is that you've seen them improve the quality of their games while they're in significantly more featured roles. Desmond Bain, the quality of his shooting is even better, but he's doubled his volume. John Morant has stepped up to be an all-NBA type performer. Jaron Jackson Jr. now is the two-way difference maker we've all been waiting for. And Dylan Brooks now truly is, after the entire 2021 year, one of the better, more impactful defenders in the NBA. So that's what stands out. The quality has remained or gotten even better as they are more featured now. They're playing more minutes, getting more usage. That's what changed. They're being featured more and getting better in the process. Not something you see from a lot of young teams.
3: Thanks for making Locked On today your first listen of the day. Coming up, the Cleveland Cavaliers are better than you think they are because you probably haven't noticed them.
2: Now, here's what you need to be locked on today.
3: The numbers are in, and Christmas Day football was a smash hit on TV. The Packers win over the Browns, drew an average audience of 28.6 million viewers across Fox and NFL Network, coupled with the Colts-Cardinals game, which averaged 12.6 million. Oh, isn't that cute? The NFL far outdrew the NBA, who has had Christmas Day to itself alone in the recent past. That will change in the future, though. No doubt, as Fox has rights to a Christmas Day game, according to the new NFL TV deal in 2023, Santa will be bringing football to a TV near you on a regular basis. Kyrie Irving is back and grateful to be so. He said, quote, I understand their decision and respect it of the Nets' decision to not allow him to be a part-time player, at least at first. He said, I really had to sit back and think and try not to become too emotionally attached to what they were deciding to do. I really emphasized and I understood. I really empathized and I understood their choice to say, if you are not going to be fully vaccinated, then you can't be a full participant. Coach Steve Nash said Irving will need to ramp up for a week or two weeks before he can return to a road game. How do you make a win feel like a loss? Well, ask the Knicks. They have plenty of experience. Hey
4: everyone, Alex Wolf from Locked On Knicks here. The Knicks won 94-85 over the Detroit Pistons. The extremely short-handed Detroit Pistons, thanks to COVID protocols. But... It sort of felt like they lost. Uh, That'll happen when most of your starters have a minus 20 or worse in the plus minus category against the worst team in the NBA missing about their four or five best players uh, on the game. It's just, it was a pathetic effort for the Knicks starters in this game. Luckily, their bench was able to bail them out. The five-man bench unit was highlighted by, you know, honestly, the, the biggest tell all stat was miles mcbride 0 of 4 from the field no points three assists four rebounds and he was a plus 39 in the plus minus category just goes to show all the knicks had to do was try in this game and that was just a little too much to ask for the starters tonight so hopefully this serves as a wake-up call they should have probably won this game by about 50 but ultimately, it does count as a win in the in the win column. And, and thank goodness it was not a loss because that would have been maybe one of the most embarrassing losses in modern Knicks history, which is saying something.
3: And the Sooners took the Ducks to the woodshed in the Alamo Bowl by halftime. Oklahoma had a 32-3 lead. And some were beginning to wonder if Oregon were mentally in on this game with the legendary coach Bob Stoops back. In an interim capacity, Kennedy Brooks ran for 127 yards on 12 carries just in the first half. He had two scores while Caleb Williams threw for the other two. That's what happened last night. Here's what to look for coming up on BetOnline.ag, your number one spot for all your football action this season. Three more bowl games headline the Thursday action at BetOnline.ag. The Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Pitts number twelve Pittsburgh against number ten Michigan State. BetOnline.ag favors the Spartans by three. The Las Vegas Bowl follows that with Arizona State and Wisconsin doing battle. BetOnline.ag likes the Badgers by six. And starting the day off is the Duke's Mayo Bowl with a Carolina battle. BetOnline.ag favors North Carolina over South Carolina. By 10 points. For all your gambling needs, BetOnline.ag has you covered. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to get a 50% welcome bonus on that first deposit. Don't forget to use the promo code locked on to get that welcome bonus. Betonline, your online sportsbook experts.
2: Here is another story you need to know.
3: Who is the league leader in point differential in the Eastern Conference? I bet if I gave you half a dozen guesses, you would not come up with. The Cleveland Cavaliers, but that is in fact the answer. They are the five seed in the East right now. If the playoffs started today, and of course they do not. But joining me now from Locked On Cavs, it's Chris Manning. And Chris, uh, this Cavs team is off to a hot start. Unfortunate news this week: Ricky Rubio with the serious knee injury, the torn ACL. He is going to be out for the season. How much does this undercut what the Cavs have built? So far this year,
1: I think it really hurts because I think Rubio has become for them a really stabilizing force in a lot of ways. I, I think you know if you're looking at the, the the main reasons this team has been good, I think it starts with Darius Garland. I think it goes to Evan Mobley, and I think it goes to Jared Allen. But Rubio's fourth, and you could argue he's like him and Allen are sort of like a duo in some ways as the quote unquote vets of this team, with Rubio being the actual veteran and Jared Allen, you know, being 23 but older than these really young guys. But like Rubio, when he's been on the floor, he keeps things in order. He has been a really good presence, I think, for Darius, who's having a great year. And, and like now they just are down another capable ball handler. Like Colin Sexton's been out for a while now, he's done for the year with his own injury. Garland's in the COVID protocols right now. Uh, Rubio now being down means like the team doesn't really have like a healthy ball handler. When, when Garland's back in however many games that's going to be, he's like the only guy in the team now that can really handle the ball and really organize his offense. It's a huge, huge blow. Um, and how they compensate will be really interesting. I mean, there's a ton of guys in this team that are going to be affected. I think Jetty Osmond's on-off numbers have been like wild with Rubia, and he's been wildly bad when Rubia's not on the floor. There, there's going to be an effect here, and I do think in some way their top, let's say, six chances and avoid that playing tournament in the East. I think take a take a blow here. There's no doubt in my mind that they're going to have a little bit of a harder path here to be as good as they possibly could be.
3: What do you think this changes about what we see from Evan Mobley, who has been terrific he is every uh uh, deep nba twitter analysts favorite player and uh he has been terrific so far this season he has been i think a much better offensive player than a lot of people the draft analysts thought he would be does he have to take on more of the playmaking responsibilities or do they need to go out and get someone what is the answer here for cleveland
1: i I think it could be both i would expect them to try to maybe go get someone like Jeff Teague, just to like manage the ship as like a backup point guard the rest of the year. I think that would make a lot of sense. And we'll see if they make a trade. Like, I I think this is a team that could theoretically be a buyer at the deadline if they, if they want to go out and like, you know, try to maybe like poach Karis Levert from Indiana, Indiana, as they kind of figure out what they're doing there. But I think the other part of this is Mobley should get more to do. Um, the, Indiana, the the Pelicans game was his first game back from beginning COVID protocols. And you actually saw him do stuff that was really encouraging in the offensive. And he, he's been incredible in defense. I think you could argue he's been an all defensive caliber player and the offense has been better than you would think, but he's not nearly as efficient as you might like at times. He's still kind of figuring out how to play against NBSIs because he's so skinny, but against the Pelicans, you saw a guy who was, You know, he created his own shot at one point from the got to the rim in like two and a half, two and a half steps and scored uh, like with the ball in his hands and you can see him passing out of the short roll you can see him making reads out of post ups you can see him operating as a trailer and kind of then either shooting or creating something from there I think if I were JB Bickerstaff. And I were to say, okay, this is how I evolve. I think you you lean into Evan Mobley. There will be growing pains. There will be times where he has more turnovers than assists, or you know, he didn't even have an assist in what I would consider maybe his best offensive game of the season against New Orleans. But like, I don't know how else you adapt here. Like, you're not going to get the same return from giving more opportunities to like Jedi Osmond or Isaac Okoro. You need to embrace, I think, this generational guy you have and see what he can do for you right now just to find out you might as well just find out while you kind of don't have any real real expectations to worry about
3: coming up with multiple top 20 ranked teams is the sec the best conference in college basketball our cue of the day is next
2: if you're looking for the most comprehensive nfl draft coverage this offseason look no further than the locked on nfl scouting podcast
3: Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And if you don't believe me, you have to try it for yourself. I'm going to be honest. I didn't believe it either. But then I had the chance to try it. And it changed my whole perspective on Built Bar because... This really is unlike anything I've ever tried in the space. It's not even close. I've never had any protein bar. And, And trust me, as someone who has played sports his entire life, who has gone on every diet plan, who has tried every workout plan, I am always trying to find something that tastes delicious, that also gives me something healthy to help with my workouts. I've been active and an athlete my whole life, not on an NFL level, but on just a normal human being trying to stay in shape and do their part level, and the only thing I've ever found that makes me feel happy when I eat it is Bilt Bar, and that separates Bilt Bar from anything else out there on the market. And they have a slew of flavors. They have the decadent double chocolate coconut brownie, uh, salted caramel, plus. Fruit flavors, if that's what you're into, raspberry, cherry, barcia, so many options for you out there. They've got a marshmallow set right now, and let me tell you, the marshmallow treats are incredible. If you don't believe me, go to built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order at built.com.
2: Agree or Disagree. This is the cue of the Day. It was
3: a monster night in the SEC basketball. I know it's bowl season, but it was a huge night in college basketball for the SEC. Auburn beats LSU 70-55. Alabama takes down Tennessee 73-68 in a pair of top 20 matchups for the SEC. Joining me now from Locked On SEC it is Chris Gordy. And Chris, this conference, I feel like we talked about this last year. It feels like the best conference in college basketball, is
5: it? Um, You know, it'd be hard to argue at this point. I mean, what the SEC has loaded itself with is a lot of really, really good draft eligible players, you know, that guys that are going to be expected to be first round picks, um, you know, watched Auburn, LSU go at it and right out of the gates LSU was undefeated and they walked into a house of horrors tough place to play at Auburn but man all the 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 guys that are going to be high draft picks for Auburn Walker Kessler sets the tone 16 points nine rebounds nine blocks Um, you know I think they're just starting to kind of get Flanagan back and get his legs underneath them Jabari Smith has been outstanding I mean those are three guys right there that are all going to be High draft picks from Auburn. And so Bruce Pearl's finally got a really good, uh, really good squad. I don't want to discount LSU, though. They were god-awful for the first 10 minutes. They had one point <laughs> in the first 10 minutes of the game. They settled down, but man, every time they got it to six points, seven points, Auburn would push it back to double digits. So tough first loss for LSU. Great first SEC win for Auburn.
3: What has changed, if anything, do you think, in the SEC? Because this is supposed to be a football conference, right? I mean, that is. What we think of when we think of the SEC, this is the premium football conference in college sports, and yet lately they have also been a premium college basketball conference. Is it coaching? Is it what? Do you, what can we attribute this uh, recent talent boom to? Do you think?
5: Well, it's exactly what you said. It's the coaching. I mean, you look around this conference, and you've got stud. Coaches everywhere you look. I mean, Eric Musselman at Arkansas doing his thing. Will Wade at lsu right. uh, Bruce Pearl, um, you know, Alabama, Nate Oates has done a fantastic job making them relevant again. So yeah, I think it's the coaching. I think this is the best collection of coaches that SEC basketball has had in a while. And look at Alabama pulling out in the last minute, a huge monster win to open up SEC play at home against the top fifteen team in Tennessee. Man, there's gonna be more of this as the season rolls along and uh Fantastic opening night for SEC play.
3: As you look at this group, and we know, you know, the the marquee names at the top of the ledger in the SEC, when we think about the the teams who are best suited to March Madness play, and God willing, we get a March Madness because of course we all know um the risks there. We remember March of 2020 when we when we lost out on that NCAA tournament. Is there a team you're looking at? And they don't have to be at the top of the conference where you go, yeah, this is the team that I think come March, they're going to be really, really scary.
5: Yeah, I, I think Auburn. I mean, I, I've I've talked about them. I mean, I think Alabama has been tested nicely. They've had a couple disappointing losses, but man, they've got a couple of monster big wins. Uh, they beat Houston, who I think is going to be there at the end of the year in the AAC. Uh, that was a monster win for them just a couple weeks ago. And how about Kentucky? I mean, you know, John Calipari's maybe underachieved here these last couple seasons, but I think when it's all said and done, this Kentucky squad is going to mature at the right time, and they'll be right there making some noise. So, yeah, would not surprise me if the SEC got six, maybe seven teams into the tournament this year. I mean, it's that deep. I know they're going to beat up on one another in conference play, but I think at the end of the year, we're going to be looking at saying the SEC was one of the best.
3: And finally, Aaron Rodgers said he will make a quick decision about what he wants to do in 2022 and beyond. He also didn't rule out retiring. This comes in the backdrop of a player who said he was considering retirement last year and has spent the season talking about gratitude and mindfulness when it comes to his current situation. Is he ready to retire He has not ruled it out, but Aaron Rodgers certainly is someone who feels like he could play in 2022 and beyond. Coming up Friday, the college football playoff is about to begin. We get you ready for everything going on with college football's biggest event. So at least until tomorrow, stay locked on today.